Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. Pillar number two, bless people. Amen. Are you there? It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Here's pillar, here's, here's, Blessing way number one, give people the gospel. Give them the gospel. That's number one. Because look, everything else you do is going to be temporary. I mean, if you, even if you get them healed, that's temporary. I mean, in the sense that that only lasts as long as they live on this earth. If you, you bless them financially, that only lasts for a while. But the gospel is eternal. That's blessing number one. Give people the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Just flip back to the first book just before Mark. Go to the very end of it. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. You should be there pretty quickly, so catch up with me when you get there. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. There it is again, right? All the nations. Bless everybody from every background baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And amen means so be it. So be it. Now, these two passages have a, a name that they have been given over the years. And the name is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Say that with me. The Great Commission. Now it's called the Great Commission because in both instances, we see that Mark and Matthew are telling us these are the final words Jesus spoke before he ascended up into heaven. The last instructions. Go tell everybody about me. Gone. Last instructions. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Teach them to observe everything I've taught you. Shoo, gone. If you miss this, you've missed what Christianity is all about. This is our great commission. Every Christian is called to do this. Amen? Amen. There's no running away from this. There's no, well, I'm too shy to do it. Every Christian in his or her own way, according to his or her own style, is required, commanded, commissioned by God to do this. It is not just a commission for preachers or ordained ministers or bishops or evangelists. It is a commission for every believer. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now we come back to the question then. So what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Let's look at it in its totality. You don't have to go there, but everybody knows what John 3.16 says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. That's John 3.16. Amen. Number one, that Jesus died. This is the good news. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That he died on the cross for our sins. And not only that, some people don't believe this, but it's totally biblical. And then went down into hell for us. For us. But because he was down there with your sin and my sin, 
Sin couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. He rose. The Father brought him up out of there with all power and authority in his hands. Amen? Amen. He could do that. He could die for our sins because he had no sin of his own. So therefore, he was able to be the substitutionary sacrifice for you and for me. Just like in the past, a lamb was, a bull was, a, 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 a goat was, a pigeon was, and their blood was shed. No, now it's the precious, holy, sinless lamb of God. Amen? Amen. That's the gospel. That ought to roll off your tongue just like that. Amen? That's number one. Number two, it's part of the gospel that everybody sins. Everybody sins. There's nobody who can say, oh, well, I don't need that. I'm doing fine. Everybody is guilty. The Bible says every mouth is stopped and all are guilty before God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I don't care who you're talking to. I don't care how wealthy they are. I don't care how well-dressed they are. I don't care how educated they are or how poor they are or where they come from or what the color of their skin is. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Period. Then you, you don't get away from that. Amen? No, you don't get to say, well, not me, I'm righteous. No, you're not. All your righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm talking about the unsaved person that we're trying to give the gospel to. Amen? Amen. Amen. But now here, the wages of sin is death. But here's the third part of that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you get to live forever with him because of the sacrifice that he made for you. Amen? Amen. Here's the fourth point. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not merely engaging in a religious act. You are engaging in a supernatural spiritual act of faith that causes God to go down on the inside of you and give you a brand new regenerate spirit that it makes you a born again creature in Jesus Christ. Says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. Hallelujah. In other words, that old man dies. That old woman dies and a new man is born forevermore. Oh, do I have a witness here? Hallelujah. Say, well, Bishop, why aren't I perfect? Because you still got this shell and you got the soul that needs to be regenerated, but your spirit has already been regenerated, and that's why you see things like you didn't see them before. Amen. Hallelujah. We were, we were praying uh, the other day, Pastor Gail and, and, uh, and Corrine and I, we were praying about you all and praying about souls, and, and the Spirit of God just took me back. You know, sometimes the Spirit of God just grabbed you suddenly and took me back to before I was saved, how selfish I was. How it was just about me. I wasn't interested in anything or anybody but myself. And I thought about it, what God has done for me. What he's done for me, what he's done for me. I can't forget what the good Lord has done for me. Now I got a heart for other people. Then I didn't, I didn't care what happened to anybody else pretty much other than my own immediate family. I couldn't care what happened to other people. But then now I got a love for people. I want the best for people. And here we are. I thought, I, and I thought about it. I said, Lord, you took me from that to spending an hour praying for other folks. 
praying about their needs, praying about their concerns, asking you to move in their lives. And it was a very powerful spiritual and emotional moment for me because every now and then God gives you a glimpse of where you were and lets you know how far he's brought you. And let me tell you something, he's brought us from a mighty long way. Hallelujah. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. But his grace has brought us safe this far. His grace will lead us on. Glory to God. Oh, I know, I know, I know. We're not what we ought to be, but I tell you what, we're not what we used to be. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. For when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Oh my God, my God, my God, my God. It brought tears to my eyes to think about how far God has brought me. I could have already been dead and in hell, given some of the things I was doing, some of the places I was going, but the Lord spared me. Hallelujah. And gave me a life of meaning and purpose. And done it all for you too. We have lives of meaning and purpose now. We know why we're here. We know what we live for. We live to glorify and serve our God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when you become a Christian, you're supposed to be a blessing to somebody else. That's what God is growing you for and maturing you for and progressing you for so that you can be a greater and greater blessing to others. Amen? Here's number two. Here's number two. I'm talking about giving people Blessing, blessing people. How do you do it? Give them the gospel. Number two, show people the love of God through prayer and kindness and service and generosity of spirit. Show people the love of God through prayer and kindness and, and generosity of spirit. Amen? Amen, amen. Now look, this can mean anything from giving a person to ride, a ride to church or to work where it can mean uh, helping somebody move, where it can mean uh, trying to help somebody when they, they're facing a problem, they don't know how to solve it. Uh, it, it can mean, now listen, I said it's going to be practical too. It can mean giving some people some money. But let me give you some provisos about that. Okay? And here's number one, because it can mean that, and I've done it many, many times. Here's number one. Don't ever lend money to a person you're trying to help and reach with the gospel. Don't do it. Don't do it. Say, Bishop, why not? Because what have you done when people have owed you money in the past and didn't pay you? That's why I don't do it. Don't do it. I, he told me he's going to give me my money back on the 15th, and it's now the 18th, and now I, I can't, he's not even answering the phone now. Don't do it. Don't do it. Those of you who've been around me a while know that I have this rule that the Spirit of God gave me. If you need money, I will give you what I can, but I will lend you nothing. I'm not lending you anything. Because I'm not going to put you in a position with your pastor to be owing me money and ducking church. Somebody. I owe Bishop $100. I ain't got it, so I ain't showing up this morning. I'll go back next week when I got his money. I will just give it to you. Say, look, I give you this in the name of the Lord. You don't owe me a thing. Don't even think about that. I don't want it back. Don't want it back. You, you get blessed, you bless somebody else. But don't even think about, you got to pay me. I don't want nothing from you. Amen? And that way you're free. 
And you have to be looking at me. Oh, this bishop. Uh, I'm over. <laughs> and they'll be doing the same thing with you. <laughs> oh, here, here come Deacon Spence. Oh, my goodness. I ain't got his money either. <laughs> or Sister So-and-so, don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. You're trying to get somebody the gospel. If you can't bless them by giving them something, just pray for them and believe God to help them. Amen. Amen. But don't lend them money. Amen. Amen. Here's number two. If you feel led to give somebody some money, unless it's something very minor, don't do it without consulting with me or an elder in this ministry. I'm talking about in here. Because people can misunderstand your motives. And I've seen people use money to try to get control of folks. See, so in order to keep motives pure, if you say, Bishop, no, the Lord has laid on my heart to give brother so-and-so this, let me give it to him anonymously. That way there's no misunderstanding that you're looking for something from him. Uh, and, and by the way, and men, you ain't got no business giving no woman no money, period. Amen. If God's laid that on my heart, you bring that to me and Sister Jackson, we'll take care of that. Amen. Amen. No, 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 we're not, we're not going to have that. And no, no married man got any business giving no woman no money and your wife doesn't know anything about it. If, if, if we release you to do it, then you and your wife do it together. Amen. And your wife can take the lead. And if she's not comfortable doing that, you bring it to me and we'll take care of it. Amen. Because listen, listen, saints. Can I just be downright honest and frank with you? This is how people get into trouble. Because look, one of the dangerous lines in church is that people can become codependent upon one another and that can morph into romantic feelings and, and all kinds of things because you help somebody, they start to attach feelings to that that really are inappropriate. And it may be done in purity, but they start to attach feelings to it that are not appropriate. That's how a lot of preachers fall. Codependency means this. People end up, people who need to be needed, are you all with me? Who need to be needed, hook up with somebody who is needy, and the needy person gets what they need from the person who needs to be needed, and the person who needs to be needed gets what they need from the needy person, and the, and the two of them hook up because they're, they're feeding each other. And guess what? Ain't neither one of them dependent on God. They're feeding off each other, and then the flesh gets in that. Amen? Amen. So you have to, look, this is the fourth thing. Don't ever conduct yourself in a way that causes people to depend upon you and not God. That doesn't mean don't help people. Of course help them. But, you know, if you sense that an unhealthy dependence is starting to happen, then you need to say, listen, brother, listen, sister, I want to help you with this, but we need to help you to do this on your own. Help you to be able to do, because you, you need to get to a point where you can not only do this, but you can be a blessing to someone else. Amen? Amen. I mean, sooner or later, you got to step out on your own, uh, trusting in God to do what needs to be done. Because otherwise, what people do is they make somebody else their God. That, that's why cults, cults 
force this dependence upon people. You, 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 everything you do, not just in church, but in, in your whole life, you gotta, the group has to approve it or, or this leader has to approve it because what they're trying to do is isolate you from everybody else so that you are completely and totally dependent upon them. So they have control of you. Don't talk to your parents. Don't talk to your siblings. Don't talk to your family. No, they, they don't understand. That's, that's demonic. Amen? Amen. 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 And, and, and there are a few other little things that ought to be obvious, but I'll mention them just in case. No Christian has any business driving somebody to the store to buy a pack of cigarettes. Can you run me up the street? I, man, I, I need me a smoke. Yeah, brother, I'll, I'll help you in the name of the Lord. Come on now. Now, and, and by the way, and I'm not saying that cigarette smoking is the worst thing and you're going to go to hell and all. I mean, I'm not, but, but a Christian doesn't have any business being complicit in that because it's not healthy. It's not good. You're not supposed to be putting this stuff in your body. Amen. 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 God wants you free of all. Because listen, a cigarette is an addiction. It's an addiction. And I've met people who have the addiction. I, 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 I need a little break right now. Um, I'll be back in a second. You know they got to go out there and puff on that nicotine. They got to have it. See, God wants you, that's what freedom, Jesus said, whoever commits sin or practices sin is the slave of sin. God wants you free of that. Say amen. So you can come to church, you don't have to rush out trying to get your cigarette. Amen. Or can't wait to get home so you can break open that bottle you got waiting home for you. Amen. God wants you free to do what he has for you to do without, without those kinds of things. Amen? Amen. Amen. But the whole point is to teach you to be in a position to help someone else. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the third thing. I'm going to end with this, and we'll come back next week and finish this particular message out with a part two. But I, but I do need to leave you with this, and I'll come back and talk about this a little bit more. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. In other words, speak the truth in love as to someone's spiritual and moral condition. In other words, don't pretend that right is right, that right, right is wrong or wrong. Don't pretend that wrong is right in order to stay in somebody's favor. You know what I mean? Amen. And sometimes Christians do that because they don't want to quote unquote offend anybody and they want to stay on the good side of somebody. And so they know something is wrong, but they just go along with it. Amen. Uh, one time we faced a situation in which people we knew very well came to us and told us, um, you know, a couple we knew very well came to us and told us that they were, they were really in love and they were going to move somewhere and they were going to set up house and, and then eventually they were going to get married. So Jackson, I looked at him and said, well, you got it, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. Huh? They looked at us like they couldn't believe. We, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, we can't, we can't be blessing you going to live together. If you love one another, you believe this is what's right for you in the sight of God, you get married. But, but don't think we're going to be, it's all, oh yeah, we, we understand, and we're going to wink, 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 nod, nod, nod. No, it's not going to happen. You know, they changed their minds. What if we hadn't been bold enough to say what we really believed and said, well, we don't want to judge. Everybody's got their issues. Speak the truth in love to people about their spiritual and moral condition. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now notice now, now notice, the Bible says speak the truth in what? In love. 
Now, I tell you the same thing I tell parents, young people, same thing I tell all parents. When you discipline your children, you should not be disciplining your children to get your own anger and frustration out. If you're doing it that way, you're wrong. Calm down and get you off your mind because the whole word discipline comes from disciple. And what you are trying to do is teach your child to be a better person, not get your anger and frustration out. Amen? Likewise, you speak the truth in love, not because somebody's gotten on your last nerve, and now you're going to get them straightened out. <laughs> and you're trying to win them to the Lord, but you've made up your mind. I tell you what, when I see them tomorrow, I'm going to let them know. <laughs> you ain't thinking about the Lord, and you ain't thinking about their soul. You just hot. <laughs> Amen. Speak the truth in love, which means you minister the truth to people. Amen. And you do it guided by the Holy Spirit. You all have heard me tell this story. I was, used to walk in my neighborhood. I don't do that anymore, but I used to walk in my neighborhood and I was walking up the street and there were some guys at a construction project about a half block up. And as I got close, I could hear them just firing off every nasty word you could think of. I mean, they were lighting it up. And I, my first thought was, when I get up there, I'm going to tell them, you all ought not be talking like that. Before I could get there, now listen to me now, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Before I could get there, see, that's how you miss stuff. Before I could get there, the Lord spoke to me and said, don't do that. Don't do that. And I walked right on by. I didn't say a word. They didn't even notice me. I walked right on by. And as I walked, the Lord missed me. He said, you want to tell them about me and minister my word to them. And you let me get to them. And all of that, just like with you. You didn't get saved because somebody told you, you ought to stop talking that old nasty language. And I was talking it too. I got saved. The Bible says the goodness of God brings us to repentance. See, now there might have been a time and a place for that rebuke. Like, for example, if I walked up there and saw one of you talking it. Now that would have been a time. Come here for a second. Let me talk to you. You ought to know better. What's wrong with you? Because when you're dealing with the same person, a saved person, it's different than when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know God, and all they're going to do is resent it. Well, I went up there and spoke to those guys, and, and what I'm told, Deacon Spence, you know, you know, your bishop stopped up here and talked to us and prayed for us. Man, we ain't never seen a man of God do nothing like that. See, so I ministered to them instead of having them walk away feeling condemned. Here's this preacher coming up there telling us what we can and cannot say. Amen. So you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit in these things. But I wasn't not doing it because I was afraid they wouldn't like me. I was not doing it because the Lord arrested me and said, don't approach it that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ephesians 6, 4 says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. How do you provoke children to wrath? By constantly beating on them. By constantly jumping on them for everything. They make you mad. And I wish you'd stop. And by the way, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I did some of it. I did some of it. It was wrong. I wish I hadn't. I didn't know any better. But you know better. Because you've been taught better. Amen. So you ought to do better. 
Amen? Amen. And if you do, you ought to go and apologize to your children and say, listen, forgive me. I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have treated you that way. Amen? Amen. Because your children will respect you for it. Now you can say, now let's come back to the issue. Because we still have to deal with that. Okay? But I want you to know I'm not dealing with you on it out of anger, but out of love. Because I want you to do better. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're in an era, saints, of spiritual and moral cultural, uh, cultural relativism in which people don't want to say some things are wrong and some things are right. That's where we are now. And what, the moment you, you begin to say, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. So, for example, people get mad at me, and when I say, you got a pastor, an American pastor, locked up in Iran. But when the president does the State of the Union address, he doesn't bring that pastor's family. He brings the basketball player who came out of the closet as a homosexual. Because that's what he wants to hold up for the country. Look, 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 how wonderful this is. And then black folk get mad at me. Why don't you support our president? I can't support what's wrong. I can't. President ain't got no heaven to put me in and no hell to take, keep me out of. We've got to stand before God. And, and, and so many black folks are afraid, Christians are afraid, because they know a lot of black folks are just mesmerized. You can't say nothing about our president. But that's not the story of the scripture. The scripture is a story of prophets and people of God standing up for what was right. Look, it got John the Baptist beheaded. When he stood up flat-footed and told Herod, he said, now you took your brother's wife, your adulterer, and you're wrong. You better stop. And then at a birthday party, the woman, she's so hot, she was hot with John and wanted him. And she said, uh, if my daughter dances for you, will you bring her the head of John the Baptist? And he had already promised he'd give up to have his kingdom. He said, yeah. That night they executed the man. And he was executed because he dared call Herod out. What is wrong with these weak-kneed ministers who are so caught up in race and politics that they're afraid to call things for what they are because somebody might not like me. Somebody might leave my church. Well, if that's the way they feel, they probably ought to leave because they don't belong there in the first place. They're not saved. Amen? They're in love with something, but it's not God. Hallelujah. And it's not to be critical because we pray for the president. The president needs to be saved. Because, you know, I've also been criticized for saying, you know, the, the idea that he's a Christian is laughable. It is. He's not a Christian. President Barack Obama is not a Christian. Now, any Christian who has any discernment can look at that and see that. Because to stand up in front of Planned Parenthood when they're massacring babies by the millions and to say, God bless Planned Parenthood. That's blasphemy. That's like going into a brothel and saying, well, God bless what they're doing. You'd be a fool to say something like that. You might say, God, forgive them for what they're doing. God, I know you love them, and I know you want to bring them out, but you're not going to stand up there and say, God bless them, or walk into a casino. God bless this casino. I mean, what kind of foolishness is that? Amen? We just need to decide we're going to be a blessing to people. And look, you cannot be a blessing to people by going along to get along so that everybody will like you. And nobody will be offended. Amen? 
The day is coming, the Bible says, when judgment begins at the house of God. And when that judgment begins, I want to make sure it doesn't fall on you all. Because you know the truth and you've been taught to stand on it. Rather than it falling on some of these people who have literally bowed their knee to a human being and gone along with anything he does because he's black.